everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hustle Podcast. Yes, thank you so much. We do have a request though before we get started. If you have found our content to be entertaining or helpful, would you consider leaving us a review on iTunes? Those five-star reviews really help to make sure that our content gets out there and that our show continues to grow. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Pure Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando and we're on episode 349. And you might be wondering if you pay close attention, Orlando, did you not say last episode was 349? And indeed I did. But the reason being is that Mike and I have been trying to record episodes just in case, you know, something happens on the move or technology issues come up and we want to make sure we're still bringing out that content. And so we recorded a couple episodes ahead and we decided to switch the order. And so that kind of things are going to be a little, I guess, I guess funky is the word yeah, yeah. for the next few weeks, but we're still going to be dropping episodes every yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. So this is an update episode. So this is very current. So we're drop we're recording this right before we we release it. We always try and do that with our update episodes. Sometimes the themed episodes, because we're talking about a topic that's a little bit more general, uh, kind of timeless, maybe even. Uh, you know, that we can we can record those sometimes a couple of weeks in advance. But um, yeah, so uh, update episodes are where we have the opportunity to share what's going on in our life reselling wise, what's going on in the world of reselling in general. Uh, and then, uh, you know, give, give you some sweet bolos, the things that you should be on the lookout for. It's what bolo stands for things to be on the lookout for that might make you good money. Uh, if you're flipping from a garage sale thrift store, local find to something like eBay or Amazon or a local flip. So be on the lookout for those things. And, uh, yeah, so we, we love these update episodes. Orlando, what's going on with you? Uh, there's, there's a lot, there's always a lot going on with me and uh, I'm okay with that. You know, it'd be worse if like there was no sales and there's nothing to source, then what, what would this podcast be about? Right? Yeah, it'd be, it'd, it'd be, yeah, well, we would just have to be a variety show or something. I don't know. Anyways, uh, you know, things have been, things have been good. Uh, sales continue to move forward. I would say I have not had a terribly slow week, probably since March, since I started that 50% off. And so I'm happy with that. It has been more work. You had mentioned this before where, okay, going 50% off, you may be making the same amount of money, but you're working more, which is true. I, I definitely am working more. I know it. And blowing through your inventory faster. I am blowing through my inventory faster, but I'm okay with that. Like I, right now, you can source it right now at my main store, uh, my 90 day total as far as inventory. So it used to be where I would have like almost 4,000 items. And for that 90 days, I would have maybe, you know, uh, six to 800 items sold, which doesn't, you know, go to that magic number that some people talk about, about 10 items per day. You okay over there, Mike? Yeah. If you're listening to the podcast, Mike yeah. is trying to figure something. It's all right. Out. You keep going. I got a cord stuck on something. Okay. So you keep going. All right. Keep this podcast organic. And so what we end up, what I ended up doing is going 50% off. And so instead of having like five to 600 items selling over those 90 days, now I'm peaking over a thousand. So I'm great with that because that, that gets me closer to my number. What I would love would be to have like 1500 items in my main store and selling 1500 items every 90 days. That that would be, I, I think that would be great. Cause that means that my sell through rate is great. Uh, hopefully that means that my average sell price is doing well, because that's the other thing is I'm being way more selective in what I am sourcing at this moment. And so I'm thinking long-term, I don't want to be in this place where I have a bunch of items that 
sell for under $20 and I'm only making, you know, five, $6 net profit, right. which in, in actuality, that's not really bad. If the item only takes you like two minutes to pack. Yeah. If you've got something right. really quick to pack, um, easy peasy people who are doing media CDs and they're, they're moving through hundreds of, of mm-hmm. items a day. Yeah. It's not so bad when they've got a system in place, but yeah, when you're par- packing random things every single time of ECR and then a shirt, and then a board game. And then, yeah, that would be awful. Yeah. Yeah. And and I did have some of those days where it was, it was a board game and then it was this huge item. Like it was a, a mixer or something, uh, you know, those standing mixers for uh, baking. And then after that, it was a video game. Then after that, it was a sweater. So yeah, I've had those moments and that's part of, you know, the thing about it, having an everything store. Uh, I, I'm okay with having an everything store. I think it's one of the reasons I've been able to, still do well, even though things have changed in the fact that I'm not niched into one area. And then if that area ends up going down, my whole business is shot. Right. And, and I do I put out that warning out there. There's a lot out there saying, Hey, you should, you know, niche down to just one, let's say it's uh, I don't know, vintage jeans, but what if people just stop wanting to buy vintage jeans or, you know, people go from having wanting uh you know, Right now, baggy jeans are coming back. So I do think vintage jeans are going to be great, like Silver Tab and other Jenko jeans from like the 90s. But what if that's all you go in and in five years, we end up back to the skinny jeans? Yeah. And then you're like doomed. And then you have to source skinny jeans from the 2010s, which would be interesting. Yeah. The ideal situation. So there's there's the one extreme, which is the everything store. There's the other extreme, which is I only sell... 16th century violins or mm. whatever. Well, yeah, and, but that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, but but th- those are the extremes, right? So, and then, you know, okay, I'm niched into one thing, RC cars or, or something like that. But then you've got, I think, the maybe the best place, um, and this is coming from two people who are kind of everything stores, so, you know, maybe this is an area we can even improve on. Oh, definitely. But is to be niched into five, six, seven categories yeah, agree, where it's agree. like, I'm really, really good at vintage, you know, CDs, media, but then I'm also really good at, you know, this random collectible thing, but I'm also really good at vintage nineties shirts. And I'm also niched in at, you know, a certain type of electronic that's easy for me to, to test and I know how to fix them. And so you've got a wide variety. So you're not putting all your eggs in one basket, but you're also you only have to know a handful of things really, really well, as opposed to you just have tons of things everywhere. And then, so you get flexibility on both ends, but yeah, if if you're, if you've got five or six, like really solid niches, then if one of them does dip, chances are the other ones are either still going to be doing fine or maybe even picking up. Yeah. And that's where I'm at. I I, I may be in everything store, but I would say I have like 10. You got some focuses. Yeah. Yeah. I have focuses like, you know, I'm still doing Hawaiian shirts, but they're not selling well. Right. So I'm okay with that. But right now I'm doing really well with vintage toys. I'm doing, doing really well with other vintage items. Uh, I had that haul with the Doug decoys and the lanterns. You know, what's crazy is all the lanterns sold and none of the Doug decoys have sold yet. Really? (laughs) Now I just started listening to Doug decoys, but those lanterns all sold in a week. Right now, the other thing is garage sales have been great. And this was an interesting one I went to. I had to uh, drive up to Orange County, some wealthy neighborhoods out there. And the reason I had to go to those wealthy neighborhoods is my son had to take some SAT tests. And since some schools, especially in California, don't accept them anymore, not that many schools are offering them. So I had to sign them up and we had to drive up there. And so I decided, you know, I was going to drop them off and then go garage sales. And it was totally different area. And 
it was interesting because whenever you source different areas, you notice things, right? So for example, I went to, you know, very wealthy neighborhoods and a lot of the things that in San Diego would have been gone right away were still there, right? Now, what what do the, most of those trucks that carry a lot of items pick up right away? Oh, furniture. Furniture, right? Yeah. Furniture galore, right? And one of the items I was able to pick up as a result of, and I think it's because of just the mileage because most of the, most of the people that pick up the furniture are, you know, uh, from Mexico, they come over and, and they pick those items up and they sell them at the swap or some, or, or they sell them down in TJ. And they, I guess they don't drive up as far. And so what I ended up happening is I lucked out because <laughs> I showed up, I think at a garage, it was like nine in the morning. It had already been going on for two hours. And there was a Herman Miller Eames chair. And if you don't know anything about Eames chairs, if you get like the mid-century ones, uh, those are those can go anywhere from like three to eight thousand dollars. Just a chair. Okay. Now the one I picked up was from 07. It wasn't a vintage piece, uh, but it still is an Eames chair from Herman Miller. And I was looking up comps, and the the mid-century ones sell for Eight thousand to a hundred, not eight thousand. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Eight hundred. My bad. Still a lot. Still big. Eight hundred to a thousand, uh, but it depends on what site you're on because these were on eBay and people had just done auctions and whatever the auction determines is where right. they land at. So they end up selling for eight to a hundred. And we we have an episode uh, coming up where we talk about doing research. And one of the things I, I mentioned in that episode is. Don't just look at eBay when it comes to antique stuff or vintage stuff. And and this is a lesson I learned from the lantern that I sold. If you caught our previous um, update episode about my uh, hustle. No, no, that's next week. It's next week. Our hustle. <laughs> See, I told you guys it's going to be a little bit confusing. So next week, listen to my lantern story. But what ended up happening is I ended up underselling something. And it's because I didn't do my research. And that's why. I ended up with my creating a research episode next week, which I think will be very valuable. Long story short, there's like sites like First Dibs. Uh, there's other auction sites that you can look to. And the chair I have is actually uh, selling and has sold for two to four thousand dollars. Mm. Right. So I put on auction on eBay. Am I going to get that? I don't think I'm going to because I think those sites actually have clientele that always go to those sites or eBay. It's, it's if somebody just, you know, decides, Hey, we need this kind of chair here, you know? But what I will say is at those houses, there wasn't a lot of inventory, but there was a lot of quality stuff. So I picked up like five items. I spent $60 and I'm going to make, you know, let's say the chair sells, you know, then I'll make, about $1,500, let's say base. Okay. But let's say the chair doesn't sell with the other four items. I'm still going to do okay. Right. And so it's just how it is. And then, uh, as a result of, of everything going on with, with the lantern, with the Eames chair, uh, I started using uh worth point. I, I, for a long time, I said, I don't need worth point. You know, it, it's so expensive. I, I think it's expensive. It's like $27 a month. But if you're somebody that's dealing with items that are things that don't come up very much, 
worth point is definitely worth it. So check out our our future theme episode. It's actually uh, episode three fifty. Let me get the right. It doesn't matter. Just check out research. Okay, just, I think it's, just keep watching Parasol Podcast. Listening to Parasol Podcast. We've got some stuff in the hopper that's going to be really great. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and I started using WorthPoint and it was great. Using WorthPoint was great. And I'll share a little bit more as to why. And then the other thing, just on the last part of the update here is I'm recognizing that prices continually go down on items. Like people are looking for those deals and people are not willing to spend, uh, for example, Mephisto shoes. Hey, you've sold, have you sold some of my pieces? Yeah. Okay. Those used to be an easy, you pick up for five to $10 and easy 60 to $80 at the very low level. And I sold plenty of them for over a hundred dollars. Even the sandals for over a hundred dollars. Now, 30 bucks, 40 bucks, 50 bucks. And, and people just want that deal. So be careful out there when you're sourcing. And especially if, you know, we, I know we just dropped a whole episode video about, you know, be careful who you're listening to. Be careful, like on watching like those Bolo videos or those things that sold, make sure they're current videos. Cause you could be watching a video from even a year ago and you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to pick all these up. And you see something on, let's say Facebook marketplace and you're like 50 pairs of Allen Edmund shoes and you pick them up. And your money is going to be tied up for a long time unless there's a certain brand. So be careful about those. All right. What's going on with you? Well, um, you know, we'll talk more about the, the, my move, which I've talked a ton about, you know, in the last several podcasts, uh, but this is the last update episode we're recording, uh, before I'm gone. And so, um, the kind of all the things that I've had to do getting ready for leaving, um, I've, I've done at this point. And so one of the things that I was talked about in a previous episode was going to swap me and trying to offload some of the items that are either bigger items. Um, I, I didn't bring any junk per se, like things that were like terrible, um, like that should just be trashed. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to offload. Like I, I would, I would not be okay with offloading something like that. I know is broken. For instance, like if I was like, mm. Oh, I tested this VCR and it doesn't work. I'm going to take it to the swap meet. Like I, I couldn't do that. Uh, morally, I would just feel terrible. So it was all good stuff that I took. Uh, and my previous experiences at the swap meet as, as a buyer have been pretty good. Uh, and then I've gone as a seller a couple times and the times I've gone as a seller, I did really well. And I think part of it was because of the type of items I had. I was offloading lots of like video game type stuff or certain types of toys and people came really quick for that stuff. And I mm. offloaded a lot of it very fast. Um, even some furniture things. Now, did people haggle you or was it just yeah, like yeah, yeah. they paid? Um, what I've noticed, okay, so there's one thing I noticed, at least at the swap meet, everywhere is different. So, you know, a, a strategy or something, the way Are these called are, flea markets on the East Coast? Um, I'm not sure if a flea market and a swap meet is the exact same thing. It might okay. be. I think they are. Um, so, yeah, flea market, swap meets. Uh, so, going to one of these, like one of the things I've noticed is we do the not wanting to give the first number. Yeah. A lot of times people who are walking around, especially if they're, you could tell they're, they're not just like a family who's out strolling, looking for some items, but they're people who are like, we're swap meters, not necessarily that they're resellers, but that they're going, they're looking for deals and they go probably every week and they're looking for mm -hmm. stuff. When they come by and they say, how much, how much you want for this? If you, try and have them give you the first number, they just keep on walking. Unless they're like, absolutely, I need this thing. Mm. Um, if they're interested and they say, uh, how much you want for that? And you go, I don't know, give me a price. What are you thinking? They'll just kind of nod and keep going. I had that, I've, I've experienced that every time I've gone. And it's hard because- they our nod? Yeah, because our natural, our natural method when we go to garage sales and things like that is the awkward silence, trying to get them mm -hmm. to give the first number. And if it's a regular at a flea market or swap meet, at least here, 
that method doesn't tend to work with those people because they're, they want to hear a real low number that they can work with. And if you do the, I don't know, give me a price unless they're like, I need this item. They're going to keep going. Cause I, maybe it's just that they do so much negotiating. They just know they can, mm. they get to feel like, all right, you're not, you're not the person I'm looking for on this. Right. Um, Interesting. Because uh, I, I guess one of the things I was going to say is like, I have to, I had to pay $30 to go into the swap meet. I didn't do so well this time. Um, I made a little bit of money, but I broke it down like price per hour. And it was like, I would have been just better off just donating the stuff and just spending the day with my family. You know, like it was like, I made 15 bucks an hour for like the five hours I was there. And it's like, that just wasn't worth it. But you Once, know what? That reminds me. Did you, am I, am I interrupting you? It's okay. It's okay. Orlando, you feel free to interrupt. Jeez. You know, somebody, anyways. Okay. Do you remember up here? Well, Oh, there used to be, there wasn't a Goodwill up here nearby where we lived. Uh-huh. And there used to be like a swamp meet up right. there. And I remember like hustling to make 80 bucks. Yeah. Right. And, and looking back on it, it probably would have been better to spend time with my family. Yeah. And that's what you mind. I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, sometimes it's, sometimes you got to weigh like, is it better to me go out there and try to sell a few items or just go, eh. I'm going to go spend time with my family. Yeah. And, and that's part, I mean, again, it's, it just depends on what you're bringing out there. Um, so it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was huge or very worth it for me in the sense of by the time I paid the $30 to get in, then what I made. And then, you know, it just wasn't worth it. If I, if I was able to get in for free, okay. I would have made a little bit more, maybe mm. it'd have been worth it type of a thing. But I've noticed, um, there are a certain couple of different types of sellers at, at swap meets, at least here in this area, maybe flea markets. And there's some where it's like, it's just, cause you got one is like the professional, uh, booth where they're selling, um, like they buy in bulk from Alibaba or something mm-hmm. like that. And they've got toys or they've got a, a food booth or they've got, um, you know, succulents or whatever it is that they're selling. Right. So th- there's those booths. And there's also like the professional, like collectors booths where it's like a booth and they've got like collectible coins or jewelry and like, they know their thing. And so those are, those are kind of, I put them in a different categories. They don't really connect with what we do. Uh, then you have the people who it's, they've got their garage sale thing set up, but they have so many things and you can tell they are regulars. They come probably every week. They set up 10, 15 tables. They've got tables full of stuff. They've got tables marked. They've got three tables full of tools. They've got two tables full of media. They've got, and you can tell they come all the time. Mm. And prices tend to be pretty low. Um, but they're moving. I've noticed they, it makes it worth it for them because they're moving so many things. And so it goes back to what we've talked about, like just how many items you have in your store. And I kind of feel like they, they run, they probably are making a few hundred dollars every time they go out, but they have to sell through a lot of inventory to make that. And they're, and, and then the the other side, there's some that, that go out and they, they don't sell at low prices. Same thing. They got a couple tables full of tools, a couple tables full, but the tools, they want like 60 bucks for that, 40 bucks for that. And they sell a handful of things and they make their money worth it but they have to do that on such a regular basis. It's like they're going and setting up their whole eBay store every single week. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, so those people that those, that's kind of the, I, I would hate to do that. Like it would be fine. Like if that was the only way you could do it, I mean, you're not paying the fees in the same way you pay $30 to go out there every week. So you're paying some fees, but you don't have to necessarily, I'm sure some of them aren't claiming taxes. Some of them are just getting the cash under the table. Uh, you don't have the other fees of like, I don't have to promote this item and I don't have to, you know, worry about shipping this item. And is this one going to cost more? And I lost money on shipping. So there are benefits to that for sure. Um, but again, like 
I would imagine they're probably going to a state clean out. So they're probably getting donations. However, they're getting these items and they're just getting it in bulk. Uh, and then they're, they're selling this stuff. The other type of sellers, and I had one of these pull up next to me, are the sellers who they maybe only go, maybe it's their only time ever going. Maybe they go once every blue moon, but they're just trying to like do a garage sale type thing and offload as much of their personal stuff as they can, as fast mm. as they can. And those are the sellers, man, when they show up, people know. So the people who are there regularly at flea markets and, and swap meets, they know who the regulars are. And how if a different, it, it doesn't matter how early. Oh, really? they, if you show up, I had some of them show up like, so that they, they open up at like five o'clock or four o'clock or something crazy, four 30 people show up at 10 30. They're, they're coming in late and they're pulling in or same thing. Some people come early in the morning. If one of those cars pulls up and people recognize like, Hey, this is new. This is different. It's like people come from all over. They swamp them. And the guy next to me, man, he was just giving stuff away. I'm listening. I'm like, wait, I need to get over there. Cause he's like, <laughs> he had like a big 15 foot ladder and he's like, I don't know, five bucks for this. And he's just, just offloading all of this stuff for crazy cheap prices. And so those are the, the the two different ways I think you can be successful at a swap meet is if you're going and you're just like, I just got to offload a whole bunch of stuff and I'm willing to basically give it away, but I'm going to try and offload it all. Uh, if you're trying to go and get decent prices with only like, I only had like maybe 20 things there. It wasn't mm. like I had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of things. So if I'm trying to get decent prices at 20 things, it's just not going to work. But if I had, you know, hundreds of items, thousands of items, and I'm selling them at really low or I'm trying to get high prices for, but Hey, I, as long as I sell a handful, I'm going to be okay. So the swap meet life is only, I feel like works for certain types of sellers under certain circumstances. And you know, I, I couldn't do it long-term as a seller. I think I occasionally I do well there as a buyer, because again, you notice those people who show up and it's like, Hey, this person is just offloading everything they have as cheap as they can. So if you're willing to almost do the goodwill bin thing, get in there with some elbows next to some people, uh, you're going to pick up some nice things. In fact, I just missed out on a, um, like a bench. There was like a really nice bench that he was selling for $25, uh, which probably costs like 400 bucks for like a piece of furniture bench, like a nice one. And, um, I was texting my wife like, Hey, but is this the right size? Would you want this? And she's like, yes, get it. And I like walked over there and he had already sold it. I'm like, no, oh, dang it. Uh, but yeah, so anyways, bittersweet, uh, didn't end up selling as much as I wanted to. Um, I talked on a previous hustle of the week that I actually kept a bunch of my, uh, slot car yeah, tracks. Yeah. So yeah, that works out. Yeah. It's, I just, I'm just fascinated by that experience because again, I brought up when I was in the rummage sales and I think as you resell, you begin to understand that going the eBay route is easier. At least that's been my, that was my experience. Like I would never go back to those days, right? During those days, I didn't know any better. I was doing the whole Dave Ramsey, getting out of debt, getting up at like five in the morning, packing up the car, unloading. Oh, it was so, and then being out there for like three, four hours and it was hot and. Yeah, you got to set it all up and tear it all down. And everybody wants every the weekend. bottom. Like think about how you feel when you get low ball messages at the, at the swap, it's, it's a whole different level of low balling. And so, and again, if people go, well, Orlando, you low ball people all the time. I know, I know, but it doesn't mean I, 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 both can be true. I can also low ball and I can also not like it when people low ball just the way it is. <laughs> okay. Uh, but the other side of it too, is there, there are listeners. There's a lot of our listeners that that's how they source. They actually go to the market and they find killer deals and they have great hustles a week. I don't know many that actually go to the swap and go to the flea market and offload stuff. I tried doing a garage sale one time of stuff and maybe it's because where we live, mm. but 
it just was, it was horrible. Like I remember going to my buddy's house and I, I the reason I didn't hold it here was because I didn't want resellers to know where I live, you know? And so uh, I ended up doing somewhere else and it was just, it was just a long day, long morning, you know? So, and again, you got to think about that though. Many people don't want to be out there long. So if you get to Grasso later, they're willing to make a better deal because they just want to go home, yep. you know? So, hey, before we move on, uh, great deal just dropped last week, and it's American Bowl Boy is now selling my go-to tape. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go over to our Instagram. Uh, we actually had a giveaway where we gave away 24 rolls and to four uh, of our followers there, and we may do a giveaway in the future, uh, but I love this tape. And the reason I love this tape is, yes, it's 60 yards of roll comparison in comparison to eBay, 75 yards of roll, but how many times have you, you, you tell me you've rolled out that eBay tape and like it gets tangled up or it's wasted or it doesn't like actually stick. Yeah. Or, uh, or, or it, if it comes off the gun wrong and it sticks to itself, like, you, know, you know, you have good tape when you can peel it off of itself and it's still like nice and thick. Yeah. And that's, that's my go-to tape. I, I it's been great. I, I feel that even though it's less, it's actually more because I'm not losing a lot of tape. So you haven't yet, uh, you can, we actually have a promo code for this, even though American Bowl Boy has really low uh, prices and that's why we, uh, I don't think ever have offered an, uh, a code this time we do it's a pure hustle just go to the link below you'll get five percent off you're like orlando it's five percent off yeah but it's five percent off 34 dollars free shipping next day two day local pickup depending on where you live and so it's a great deal so check it out go to the link below and by the way there's a lot of bowl wrap but our code is only for the tape but go out there just, just check it out yeah all right so uh you got any random stories here uh i'm not super random but kind of cool um Talking about regulars, the swap meet, um, I, I ran into years ago. I'm pretty sure his name's Matt. I'm so bad with names. Um, I'm like 99% sure. Um, I feel like I know him, but I, I always get names. Salvation wrong. Army? Yeah, Salvation yeah, Army. Matt. I ran into uh, Matt at the Salvation Army years and years ago. And this is when we had our very first like Christmas episode that was just like a bolo episode. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I... My friend told me about it. I watched this one. So he like watched or listened to just one episode by the time like he, he saw me. So it's kind of cool. And then now I've seen him at the swap meet a couple of times and I've seen him at, at garage sales. Uh, so it's just kind of cool seeing him um, and, you know, getting to chat again. I feel like this is the second time I've had a chance to talk to a listener about me leaving like in person. And it, huh. it, it's kind of encouraging just to like to, to, to hear that I'm not crazy from from people who are here. Right. Like it's like, yeah, I get it. Like I'm a reseller here. And it's hard. It's just hard here, you know, like not just reselling, California. but just life in general here. Uh, so, yeah, it was kind of cool. And then just, again, also a bittersweet sweet thing in the sense of like, it's cool always getting to uh, see a listener uh, out in the wild. But then like, man, this might be the last time I see Matt, you know, like mm-hmm. I've seen him out in the wild several times. It's really cool. Uh, when you are reselling a lot, you run into a lot of the same people at garage sales and thrift stores and things like that. Uh, so, but maybe, uh, now that I'll be in central Texas, I'll, I'll run into some more listeners that, uh, I've never run into before. And then we'll, we'll, uh, have a new, new stories to tell of new people I met. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of, that's my, my random story. What about you? What's your random story? Well, before we move on, I am looking forward not to you moving and like, I don't want you to go away, but I'm looking forward to the experiences that you're yeah, going to share. New stories. I think it's just going to enrich the podcast. I've said this before. So stick with us. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like Mike said, our quality is going to continue to be the same and our content is going to continue the same. And, uh, you know, we just want to keep helping people. All right. So my random story, this was interesting to me. So I don't want to go into too many details, but 
uh, my name's gotten out there that I'm a reseller. And so I was invited to this group of individuals that they help people uh, whenever like they're moving or, or whenever they're trying to just, uh, you know, move stuff or whatever. And it was just a, a whole bunch of people. And uh, I was I was asked to speak about reselling. And I, I've never done that since like eBay open, right? I've never been in a, a group of like, you know, a group of people and share my experiences. And it was just fascinating how much we know in comparison to the normal person. Mm, like Do you a, get what I'm saying? Like a non-reseller? Yeah. Right. right? Like I walk into pretty much any place, you know, that a thrift store, even a retail store, uh, you know, go to the swamp me, go to, you know, you're driving down the road and you're like, Hey, let's check out the garage sale. Like we can always find value. Yeah. You know, and I want to encourage you guys that are brand new, like that time's coming. Like I'll never forget the early days of reason, like early, early, like before, you know, before Peter's a podcast, uh, when I was just selling books on Amazon, like textbooks that I would get at teacher conventions. Yep. And I remember one time I went into a Salvation Army and I thought, I'm going to see if I can make money here. And I spent an hour sourcing. And I'll never forget, there was a, like a GE clock, a General Electric clock, a vintage one. And I thought, oh, this has to be money. And I looked it up on eBay and it wasn't worth anything. Hmm. And I spent an entire hour and I'm like, there's no way that people could make a living doing this i'll never forget that because i was so frustrated i think i watched like some storage wars and people were making all kinds of money and now i think about we've been in the podcast now we're entering our fifth year is that our fifth year or sixth year we finished five yeah i think we're going into six we're going into six that's Holy wild smart. that is wild okay so six years of the podcast okay that i'm entering my sixth year of full-time reselling overall 12 years of reselling okay and it's crazy to me to think like how much like the common person doesn't know. So don't be discouraged because most people start there. I mean, I was getting questioned like the question I got two of them, which I loved being asked was what, tell us a real story about behind beanie babies. Right. Because You're people like, still really? believe beanie babies. Yeah. But to them, yeah. it's like, I've seen these beanie babies sell for thousands. You should say, do you want to hear about beanie babies or I can, I can tell you about Black Diamond. Yeah, that was the other one. I can one. tell you about Black Diamond Disney, but you <laughs> don't want you to tell anybody else. That was the other one. They were telling me, how about Black Diamond, like uh, Disney tapes? Like, aren't they worth a lot of money? And I had to break it down, right? And I had to tell the story of like, you know, just because something's old, it doesn't mean there's value to it, right? That's one thing that you get trapped in early on in reselling. You see something and it looks antique and you're like, oh, this is worth a lot of money. And you'll pick it up. That that was one of the first things I did. I picked up a, it wasn't a welder. It was like a, it was a torch. I remember it was a vintage torch and I paid five bucks for it. And I thought it was going to sell for hundreds. Like I really didn't do eBay much. And I remember going, there used to be uh, in the area we used to live over and uh, there used to be an antique store. It was like consignment. And they had like six different like consignment areas. And I remember I went to the back. It was like, it was like a scene from the Godfather. Like the owner sat in the back. She was like smoking her cigarette in the back. She had like the smoker's voice. Nice. And I, cause I asked, I said, Hey, I'm trying to sell this torch. I didn't know. Cause they did this in like, uh, they did, they would do this in storage wars and all the shows. I'm like, I'm sure they get this all the time. And everybody thought I was crazy. They're like, what are you trying to do? I'm like, Oh, I want to sell this to the owner here. And they're like, what are we, like looking at me? Like, who are you? Like, what, what are you talking about? They're like, Oh, she's back there. So I go back there and she's like, 
hey, honey, what do you want? <laughs> I was like, uh, I'd like to sell this like antique uh, torch thing. I'm not really sure what it's at, but well, how much it's worth. But, I, you know, I think it's good money. She's like, ah, you really want to sell this? And I'm like, yeah. And I paid five. She's like, 10 bucks. <laughs> and I was like, that's that's a, a great return. I double my money. I'm like, double sure. Your money. I'm sure. Now, is it possible that it was worth a lot more? Maybe. Maybe. But I don't think it was. But again, that was me. Like, I, I also picked up at that time, uh, you know, those foldable picnic tables. Yep. Right. I picked those up. at a, I picked one up at a garage for 10 bucks. I went to the surplus store in uh, El Cajon. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I went, I went in there and asked the guy, the owner, I'm like, hey, you want to buy this for me? I mean, tell, this is early days. I mean, so you were trying to like buy stuff at like garage sales and stuff and then sell it at, uh, sell it at pawn shops. Is that yes. What you were yes, trying to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, right. and that guy, he's like, he's like, he's like, I'll give you 15 for it. And so I'm like, all right. So I sold it to him for, you know, I bought it for 10 and I sold it for 15 and I was happy with that. But again, I had no, I had no idea, like even how to, at one at one point I didn't know how to search solds, mm. right? I, I didn't know about sell through. I didn't know about, you know, that there's money in clothing. I didn't know any of that. So I, you know, I already said, I share this to new resellers. Hey, you might think you might be out there going to garage sales, going to thrift stores, going to the swamp meet, the flea market, whatever you want to call it. And you're not finding anything. And it's not because there isn't anything. It's just because your knowledge isn't there. Yeah. And the more you do this, your knowledge will build. And you'll be amazed at the fact that you can go every single Saturday and you'll pretty much find stuff. Mm. Now, I even get skunked some Saturdays. I go out there and there really isn't anything. But there, there's a lot out there. So anyways, this meeting just brought back a lot of those memories because the questions I was getting asked is like, oh, I have... I have a I have a bunch of like 1990s baseball cards like there there has to be value and yeah. it's like nope the same thing happens even like when you tell a friend you know uh, I, I I'm expecting this when I move to to Texas because you know I'm gonna have to find a new church and I'm gonna have new coworkers and so it's gonna come out like yeah I I resell and so yeah they're gonna same thing they're gonna be like hold on I got something in the back and they're gonna bring out Beanie Baby how much do you think this is worth? Right. Like yeah, those, I, yeah. I guarantee it's going to happen. It's part of the, it's fun though. It's fun to, to kind of talk with people. You know, you don't want to burst anybody's bubble. Um, I had a friend who his community was doing a community garage sale like three years ago and he messaged me and again, it was beanie babies, but like, Hey, I found these at, uh, at, at, uh, the house few doors down. Like, uh, I picked them up for $5. I think it was a good deal. And I'm like, Oh no! I mean, does your daughter want them? Because if so, sure. I mean, like you can't put a price on your daughter's happiness, but I, you're not going to be able to sell those. Um, and the Beanie Baby is just a funny example, but like those types of things, right? Where people want to want to ask. They I got asked about Corningware. Okay, you know, yeah, yeah. and even those, there's like there's comps that are like fifty thousand, eighty thousand dollars, and and if you guys know, we addressed this. I don't know some episode back, but it's like money laundering. Yeah, it's real estate people trying to get liquidity. There's a lot of reasons why those things sell. Yeah, listen to all of our all every single one of our older episodes, and, and you'll, you'll you'll find, find it, those stories. You'll find it somewhere. One thing there's going to be AI where we can do. You know, like you know, Gary V was trying to do a search of Gary V archives. Hmm. Or you could like put in a keyword and anytime Gary V mentioned something, it would come up. Like I would love to do that pure as a podcast because there's a lot out there. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. and if you know, if you know, let us know. All right. Hey, before we move on, I uh, wanted to talk to you guys about uh, our discord. 
Uh, and our Discord is just a thank you uh, for helping us out on Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com uh, slash Pierce Podcast. Go to the link below. For $5.55 a month, you can support us. Uh, Mike and I just dropped some money on equipment uh, to make this podcast be smooth. And, it, it you know, we don't want to miss a beat. We want the quality to be there. And so we do get in a little bit of high-end uh, equipment to make that happen. Uh, and so thank you to all of you that support us. If you want to support us for $5.55 a month, you'll also get a link to be able to jump in the discord and uh always appreciate the the conversation discord yeah. uh, the last conversation i had was about government and taxes and reselling it was fun it was great we're civil in there so it's always good but we do have bolos hustle the week rants raves uh you know deals wh whatever you're looking for yeah people asking questions all kinds of stuff and uh and we are planning to at some point in the future have um whether we do it on discord or youtube or something uh, but actually some like videos because discord has some cool features where you can actually like do like video calls and mm -hmm. things and invite people or maybe we do like youtube uh, but but we do basically the asynchronous hanging out or we're, we're just hanging out uh through the forums on discord you know answering questions having a good time learning from each other i've learned so much from most of the people i've learned more from the people in there than i'm sure anybody has learned from me uh but same uh, you know so we get to do that, but it's also really cool to actually be able to have like those conversations. Uh, so we're hoping to do kind of a, uh, some kind of a, a backstage once every month or something, uh, sure, just, in, just kind of informal where it's us talking, doing the kind of like similar to like the podcast, but not, not the podcast, but where the people who are on our discord can kind of jump in the call and, and tell us stories and we can interact like actually live with people. We think that'd be pretty fun. So just a cool extra thing that we're going to be doing for uh, all of our supporters. Cause again, we could not do pure hustle podcast without you guys mm -hmm. uh, supporting us. And even if you're like, Hey, um, you know, it's, it's tight right now. I mean, honestly, a lot of the people who get into reselling, they do it because they're trying to, they're trying to save money. We want you to be financially wise and, and I don't want anybody to make a decision where they're spending money on something when you could put that towards your business and, and you, you can't afford it, right? If you, if you've got a tight budget, then don't do that. But what you could do is just share the podcast, like, and like, and comment, follow us on the different, um, on the different social media platforms We're peer hustle podcast on everything, except for Twitter, we're peer hustle cast. Give us a follow wherever you're most active. We're most active on Instagram. So that's probably where you're going to get the most, uh, back and forth and then share our podcast with people. Uh, make sure to leave a like on, on the, uh, iTunes is like the king when it comes to it's like eBay or Amazon, mm. like iTunes is the king of podcasts. So if you leave us a, a review on iTunes, it really helps the word get out there. So for all of you who enjoy our content and support us in those ways, thank you so, so much. That's the second time in over 350 episodes that you shared the social media. Yeah, I figure might, awesome. as well. might as well get it done. <laughs> Think right? about it. The se only second time. It's a special moment. We should give like a prize to who could figure out when the other time was. <laughs> First person to do it gets a uh, <laughs> gets a, a one roll of uh, <laughs> one roll of my go to team. My go to team. American we'll Bowl boy. You. So you never know. Maybe we'll give twenty four rolls. Yeah. So put in the comments. Put in the you know. comments on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know. Let us know. All right. Are we talking? Ready to talk about some uh, important things here? There's, yeah, there's yeah, a lot. Yeah. There's a lot going yeah, we're, on. We're excited. See, we, the, yeah. the order kind of threw us off a little bit here. No, no, no. We're, we're, we're good. We're going to be talking. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff happening. Like this is going to be some interesting reseller topics. So so interesting, uh, and, and we're going to be discussing from USPS ending first class mail to eBay now is going to be authenticating other items, and I found more information about AI. So let's get into it right after our music. 
Alondo just explained all the things we're going to talk about, so it would be redundant for me to go through on the ticker again and explain it all. All of this and more on Reseller News. Alondo, take it away. Nice save. All right, so the first thing is here is first class mail is going away in July. And I think that's going to be a big shake shakeup. And so let me explain what that means. So USPS is rolling out this thing called USPS Ground Advantage. Okay, so they're going. They're, they say USPS Ground Advantage will combine USPS Retail Ground, First Class Package, and Parcel Select services, as well as return options such as First Class Return and uh, Ground Return, into a single streamlined ground shipping service. And so, what are what are the things here tied up into this? So the packages will be delivered in two to five days. So it seems like it's priority, but it's not. Or me, they're not getting rid of priority. So I'm not sure where this is gonna land. Uh, so you can, you know, the best prices are up to 15.9999 ounces. Okay. Okay. Uh, based on weight, and then uh, if it goes up more than a pound, then it goes into like another tier of prices. It says packages greater than 15.999 ounces are charged by the pound up to 70 pounds. Uh, there's also free package pickup. So that's different where before it used to be only priority. Now they'll pick up everything pretty much. Uh, you'll, and then, uh, tracking is included. Uh, I'm trying to think, Oh, here's another big deal. So insurance will now be up to a hundred dollars. Okay. Where before like first class, there was no insurance. Right. So now there's insurance on everything. The only thing they don't mention here, which I find concerning is how much it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, if they just say like the best deals will be up to, this, you know, weight range. Okay. I need, I need to see numbers here. Yeah. So I need to see numbers to be able to compare with what I'm losing in order to know what the impact is going to be. So I'm already prepping for this. I want to hear your thoughts on this. I've ended free shipping in my store. All right. And, and let, let me, before, before your feedback, like, here's why. Number one, first class mail is not what it used to be. Like back in the day when I would sell, let's say a shirt, First class, I think at the highest was like $4. I'm talking about like maybe two, three years ago. Mm. Okay. Now, if you get into eBay allows you to do up to one pound, it's like $6 and 78 cents. Mm. You're only like 60 cents away from a priority envelope. And you're only like a dollar away from the padded flat rate envelope based on being a top rated seller and the discounts that eBay gives you. Okay. On top of that, I, I, it was interesting because Commonwealth Picker, a uh, friend of the show, uh, Kevin had, had posted on, on his video, I forget which video, that right now people are trying to get the best deal possible. And if you do free shipping, you're losing even more money, which I agree. That's what I've been noticing. So for example, I'll have a shirt that is free shipping and it's, you know, I have it listed for 40 bucks and somebody wants 25 it wants it for 25 which is fine i'll take the 25 but i have free shipping mm. and so let's say the shirt's a 2xl then it ends up being almost seven dollars to ship so now i'm down to 18 dollars. and then ebay let's say they just take 10 percent. that's 250 okay so now i'm down to 15.50 then on top of that my cost of goods maybe i paid five or seven dollars for that shirt so now i'm down to like seven or eight dollars net profit but that's not even including the time i spent listing sourcing not even including gas like none of that so the reality is on a 25 dollars sale that i have free shipping i may be making like three to four dollars net yeah. which is kind of wild yeah the hard part 
it's so tough. I mean, certain items, it may be worthwhile, like kind of calculating it into the free shipping price because yeah, you might only be making $7 net or, or whatever you've kind of figured out your number to mm-hmm. be. Uh, but if you're like, okay, well, if I if I do calculated shipping or I charge a certain amount for shipping, then I know I'll make fifteen dollars or I should make about fifteen dollars on this shirt. But then if that's essentially seven dollars more expensive for the buyer, because I mean somebody's paying that cost, mm-hmm. that difference, that might be the difference between that shirt never sells. So now you have got like the option of like, hey, this shirt sells for and I get seven dollars net, or I I have a potential higher net profit but I can never actualize that potential because it never Mm. sells. So you kind of get stuck in this really tough place where no matter what, whether or not you're offering free shipping or calculated shipping, I mean, I know there's differences of like certain people in different locations, you might end Mm. up having to pay more to ship to them. But just in general, you you kind of are doing this, uh, this calculation of if I, if I charge shipping, then I can kind of have a lower price. But if I do free shipping, then I can kind of raise the price. No matter what, the buyer's kind of looking at that bottom dollar. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 almost six one way, half a dozen the other. And the increase in in shipping costs, we can't fully pass that on to the customer without expecting to see like reduced sales. Well, now my counter to that is almost all platforms now have, have people like I, for example, uh even Amazon, right? Amazon, yes, they do prime shipping, but if I want it like overnight or if I want it at a certain time, they're going to charge me an extra $3, right? Uh, if, if you buy stuff from Walmart now, it, unless you do Walmart plus, they will charge you shipping. Uh, and so, so things are changing. I, I think as a result of, of inflation, as a result of the macroeconomics, I think people are, are under more understanding. Now, when I say I'm charging shipping, I'm still not charging calculated shipping. So pretty much anything right now that will be sold via this ground advantage right now, I'm charging like four bucks, right? So $3.99, four bucks. You should do $3.99. Sounds so much better. I don't like the $3.99. If I go, I might as well do $4.99 then. (laughs) All I'm saying is, listen, I, I don't know. This may kill my store, but I want to try it out for a little bit because I got to tell you, I've been, it's even crazy. I have some items that I should have never sourced that I've been selling, you know, for like 15, 20 bucks. And so once I get that best offer of like 15 bucks and it's free shipping, I'm working for free. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so do what you may, you know, us, you know, me, I've been saying free shipping for a long time, like built it into the cost. But now I think things are changing. Things are changing. So, We'll we'll see what happens now. If with this UPS USPS uh, ground advantage, if eBay gives some great discounts, maybe I'll go back to free shipping. You know, but gotta tell you, like seven dollars first class first class mail is crazy. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, also, eBay eBay has recently uh, moved to authenticating more clothing now, so you have to be even more careful about what you're sourcing not saying you should be out there sourcing fake stuff what i'm saying is be careful because even when you have legitimate stuff again these are humans that are validating things and they make mistakes you might end up in a bad place so uh between q4 2019 to 2022 of the same period ebay's luxury category had seen double digit annualized growth so it's good for ebay ebay claims that due to its authentication service 
driving consumer confidence as well as new programs, including certified by brand. Their users users are more comfortable purchasing from eBay. The increased use of eBay for luxury resale has also pushed the platform uh, to be able to deliver a broader selection of premium items. This is from hypebeast.com. Uh, the authenticity guarantee service is now added to all eligible streetwear. Now it's streetwear. Uh, bought and sold in the U.S. The pieces are then both vetted and verified by eBay's team through professionally trained authenticators. What makes you a professional at streetwear, you know? I mean, if you know your things, right? I guess so. I Like, do you take a test? I, I just wonder, like, Probably. you know, like, can you put on a job application? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. All right. How do you get the job, though, is my question. All right. Are, the, you, are you wanting to apply? I Well, not, not for these. I don't sell these brands. So, uh-huh. But if it was like, Certain vintage clothing or toys. I, I could do it. I could do it. Right. Uh, the authentication takes place with the physical inspection using advanced te- technical equipment and eBay's dedicated new state-of-the-art New Jersey facility. Wow. In order for the high streetwear brands, uh, in order for the high streetwear brands, it's going to be, uh, I've never seen this one, A- Amy Leon Dior, Fear of God, Supreme, Off-White, Palace, and Stone Island, and Bape to be authenticated. They have to sell for more than $200, okay? Uh, The inspection features multiple point inspections by in-house experts, proof of authentication, and verified returns. So... I think it's good. I think they're, but they're even expanding more. They said by the end of September, eBay will expand its authenticity guarantee to other brands such as Adidas, Balenciaga, Burberry, Cactus. Why why are they even in business still? Balenciaga. Anyways, uh, Burberry, Cactus Plant Flea Market, Chrome Hearts. I don't even know. I'm not going to list all these brands. Just a lot of them. So just a lot of stuff that I can't afford. Again, there's a, there's a, there's a price limit on there. And, And one of the nice things is obviously eBay is doing this for a reason. And, and, there is the potential of like, it's annoying if we send something in and then it's like, I'm pretty sure it was real, but then they said it wasn't. There's, there's potential for error, human error in that sense. But I would say for the most part, you've got to trust that the, the people that are doing this know what they're doing. And if mm-hmm. nothing else, it gives extra trust to the buyers on eBay. So if you are a seller, I mean, the cost is eventually going to be passed on to somebody. So I feel like it, it's going to probably be the sellers. But when it comes down to it, if, if, more people are willing to go to eBay to buy the types of things that you're selling because they know that they can trust what they're buying off eBay. That's good. That's good business. Mm-hmm. And so even if it's like high end, the, the people who are buying high end shoes, high end streetwear, they know what they're getting is good off eBay. Hey, maybe while they're on eBay and they're like, Oh yeah, there's this cool Lego set that I used to really <laughs> like when I was a kid. So I'm going to buy this too, because they're already there. They're used to buying things on eBay. So in the long run, it can be good, um, you know, to be pulling in people, uh, with money to have more confidence in the platform. I don't see it as a bad thing. Um, there are, again, potential that it could run into some issues for you. But in the long run, if 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 one of the eBay people send it back saying it was fake, there's a good chance a customer would be doing the same thing. And then you're yeah, running into true. an even bigger problem. So it's really, again, six one way, half a dozen the other and allowing more buyer confidence, which is not a bad thing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the only time I've picked up Anything that was fake was by accident. It was a uh, two Supreme T-shirts at a garage sale for five dollars each. Yeah, <laughs> you can't can't be too shocked. But they had they had the Supreme bag with it, right? So I'm like, these can't be fake. Now, I still think they're authentic, but the person that bought it said they were fake, and I'm like, whatever, just send it back. And I just haven't listed it again because I don't want to get in trouble. You're probably right. Like, what's the chance that the person who bought a real Supreme would not be selling it at a garage sale for five dollars? 
You know, like, but they had the bag. And <laughs> you know what would be really cool? eBay, you should do this. If there was a way that you could just scan it with AI tools when you're sourcing. Like, I think that'd be pretty awesome. You know, that would drive a lot of people to the app. So any, just some thoughts. Now, speaking of AI. So we had thrown around last week or whenever the last update episode that we talked about AI, how, you know, it'd be cool if AI did these things. And some of the things we were like, oh, you know, that'd be cool, but that's not going to happen. Well, it's actually happening. And I just found more stuff. So let's go to the first one. So chat GPT, you know, the new with the new uh, update. Uh, we had talked about how uh, the CEO of eBay, Jamie Leon, had uh, had said about that. You know, here's a quote. He said, "We are in the processing. We are in the process of integrating the ChatGPT API into our core listing flow, and will soon launch a beta release of a plugin that enables sellers to automatically generate text for the item description based on known attributes." Okay, but it's so to clarify that it's it's actually a little more. According to the CEO, you'll soon be able to pre-populate categories and item specifics from a single photo. So you just upload the photo and the AI is going to read everything and it's going to populate everything. Now, I'm sure there's going to be some error, right, uh, that you're going to have to tweak a couple of things. But that's far better than having to go in there and enter them or do the sale similar. Yeah. And, and like, again, it's one of those things where it's a tool, right? Like no tool. I mean, maybe we get to a place where things are completely automated, but no tool completely automates anything. Like if this is something that gives you leverage, it makes the job a little bit easier. And maybe some people know how to use it better than others, but you still have to know how to use the tool. And it's still going to take human input and human the human touch, right? So mm-hmm. it, it might give you a general description of something, but then, yeah, you're going to have to go in and correct the mistakes, correct the... So the people who are going to be lazy with this are either going to not use the tool at all or use it incorrectly. And I, th- I still think there's going to be work to be done. Like, for instance, I use ChatGPT a lot right now for things like, hey, I'm sending this really, really important email that I had to have this document that's like got some legal stuff in it. Not like super legal, but like could potentially become a legal issue if I don't cover my bases right. Mm-hmm. So I type up the email as I would send it and then I run it through ChatGPT and I have it kind of maybe find any errors, uh, maybe make it make the tone a little bit, you know, change the tone in one direction or another. And then it comes back out and it's really good, but I still then have to go through and tweak some things like, Oh, nope, this isn't quite right. Or no, this doesn't match the scenario. So there's, it actually takes longer to do. It's not like the tool has completely made the job where I don't have to now work at all. The tool makes it so that I have a better product, but there's still more input that I have to put into it. And so I think that that could be the case with this. So a, a tool like this could make lazy people, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe it completely automates and you barely have to correct anything. But I think it, it'll make it where lazy people end up with more errors in down the road where they're going to have to correct and customers are going to get something and be like, hey, your description says this and it's ha- not. It still ha- happens to me now. So that that's possible. And then it's going to take people who are willing to leverage this and say like, hey, it, it did 90% of the work for me. Now I'm going to do the other 10% and make it just that much better. And then that sets you apart from everybody else. So it's a tool. It doesn't completely do the work for you, but it can make the work you have to do make it so you have a better product in the end. And like, wow, I wouldn't have added those things in the description or wow, it hit some item specifics that I wouldn't have even have thought or known to have filled in, but it it had it had that data that was useful for me. So yeah, I mean, any tool is going to be good as long as it's used correctly and not every tool can be used in every scenario. So there are going to be times where it's like, hey, taking the picture of this item is not going to work. 
And if you're relying only on that tool, then you might get stuck. Whereas you're like this one, it'll work for these items. It doesn't work for these items. And we'll just have to see, uh, what that what that case is as we uh as we start to get the rollout on this. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, even remember when the automated remove background, we saw that we were like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I remember that. I and had the video still. Like, yeah, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> All right. Now, this other one I found fascinating. So this is from the Washington Post. This is from their climate coach. Uh uh <laughs> Michael J. Corrin said, uh, the title of the article is Why You Should Buy Everything Used. Now I was reading this because I always like just hear people's thoughts, but the information that was on here, I'm like, why isn't this being more talked about? And I kind of knew that some of this was happening, but I didn't know at what level. So let me let me just get to the AI. So if they talk about a whole bunch of other stuff in here, uh, but, you know, I'll start here. It says uh, Craigslist and eBay were once the biggest games in town. Today, dozens of companies are competing to resell goods online, targeting products, including clothing, furniture and electronics. Sharpers attracts lower prices, unique finds and sustainability. I've been happy to splurge. Uh, and, you know, in 2021, it was one hundred seventy eight billion and they expect the number to take off. But this is uh, what was interesting. Goodwill. Uh, before now, it's sorted through billions of pounds of used goods by hand, hmm. okay, deciding what to sell, right? And we've, we've seen that when we, we watch videos or sometimes I, I used to, there used to be a store. I used to go to the back of the store and I watched them do it. Those are the good old days. Sending what to sell, toss or ship overseas. Only about half of the load deemed suitable for retail made it onto shelves, according to the company. Less than 1% of Goodwill donations were listed online via eBay or its own sites. Machines are now doing more of the work. And we actually know the the owner of this company. Hmm. Uh, machines are now doing more of the work. Several Goodwill sites use technology from the startup Hammock to deploy cameras and AI that automate the sorting and listing of secondhand goods. In places like West Palm Beach and Miami, workers feed clothing into machines that photograph it, set the price, and post it online. Hammock says it can process a piece of clothing every seven seconds. If scaled up, that's potentially transformative. Let me enunciate that. Transformative. Using technology like this, Goodwill Finds has launched a new site licensed by Goodwill to process and sell thousands of items from across, across the country, emulating the experience of shopping at Amazon. The site has sold nearly 200,000 items since launching in October, and it plans to reach nearly 1 million by the end of the year. IT in most categories, 99% of what's available out there now, you can find something comparable and use now, said Matt Kness, a former e-commerce executive at Walmart, now running Goodwill Finds. Hammock CEO and co-founder uh, Sid Lunawat uh, foresees this technology making Goodwill and other resellers efficient enough to profitably sell items for as little as $1. Eventually, a version of it may make its way into your phone and Apple photograph an object, recognize it, price it, post it online, dispatch someone to pick it up once it has sold. If you could just take a photo of a product, it would sell itself. That's what we want to do, says Lona Watt. Even if he admits that big advances in processing and shipping costs must happen to make that a reality. Yeah, I mean, I've never actually been on Goodwill Finds. I'm doing it right now. And I mean, their prices are like eBay prices-ish, but like, yeah, I mean, except in Patagonia and there's like Patagonia jackets and sweatshirts for like $35. I wonder how many of these are are done through that hammock. I mean, these look like they're hung. It looks like probably workers doing. I'd be interested to see what it looks like. Um, here's one 
where you could see a worker like with 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 gloves with on gloves on holding the the tag, the tag. which is a big easy so no. bad bad picture for that one for their for the first so picture. i'm not seeing what they're saying on this new story on the site as you're sharing it right now but to me it's let's say it's not let's say it's just sourcing them like you know they're they're putting money in the scanner and the scanner's like re, like so for example uh you know you have those devices that like say hey this this item is good this item is bad rejection right and maybe it's doing that it's combing through it and then it's telling them you know what the value is and and so a lot of the work is already being cut out so i definitely i i this is everything i had talked about i think 3 weeks ago that what if ai was able to do this and now it's actually reality it's actually happening so to me as a reseller, this tells me even more. I need to make sure I get in between the thrift store and the person trying to donate or trying to move the stuff because it's going to be very hard to go to thrift stores. I don't even see thrift stores even seeing the need to be open anymore. The reason being is like a lot of people say, oh, thrift stores are for the poor. Not really. Uh, Goodwill, which we infamously call the store that shall not be named. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Uh, savers, all these other places, I, I believe savers, uh, you know, what they do is they aren't selling to the poor. They're selling to people that want to buy it. Take, they take those proceeds and then they fund these programs to help the economy. I mean, not the economy, help the community. Yeah. Right. And so if this is going to give them big profit base at low cost, why open a thrift store anymore? Yeah. Right. Why not just have these donation centers and then these donation centers send them. <laughs> it's funny because thrift store uh, people do listen to our podcast, yeah. and, but they they probably already thought this through. But why why even have the stores? Why not just have the the centers? Yeah, I mean, I still think. I mean, yes, but no. I mean, it's like anything. Like Amazon came out and it it totally revolutionized shopping, but also Walmart still exists, right? Like, okay, I see what you're saying. Most things you can buy at 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 stores you can buy online now. People still go brick and mortar, so. Things have changed. It definitely makes an impact, but I, I don't see brick and mortar going away anytime soon. So anyways, just things to think about. Again, I, you, I definitely believe that people need to hone their craft. You need to get better about sourcing. You get better by identifying stuff, right? All the other stuff, learning how to list, learning how to ship. I think that's going to be secondary. I think the primary thing is developing your knowledge of what you're sourcing. I think if you can do that, you'll win. It's, it's kind of like this argument that a lot of people are making that, a lot of people are going to lose jobs to the AI, which they will. But any time in history where there's been innovation, people have figured out other ways to make money. Right. And ultimately, at least not yet. You know, people can go like, for example, we're teachers, right? We're educators. OK. The reality is no one ever has to hire us to teach. Right. They could send their kid in front of a screen and they can Google the information or they could watch YouTube videos. They could do that. But why do people hire people like Mike and I? It's because of who we are and what we bring to the table, right? The relatability, the connection to the students, the, the ability to read people, to, to see how can we help this student when they're st struggling? How can we develop uh, information and deliver that information in a way that people will find value in it? And, and I think humans can do that and technology cannot. Mm -hmm. And so these are things that we need to think about as resellers. Like, what can we do that? you know, will still separate us from these machines. Yeah, it's good. It's crazy. I never thought I'd say that will separate us from machines. It's getting weird, man. Uh, 
maybe one day, maybe maybe for one of our uh, personal podcasts backstage, I have a ton that I've, I I want to talk about when it comes to just AI in general and like where where our culture is going. Uh, it's not like all reseller related, so we'll save that for some off topic stuff. But man, it is it is a weird world we are entering in. Uh, let us know in the comments below whether it's reselling related or not. Uh, as long as it's, I always say school appropriate when I'm talking to my students. But you know, let, let's not <laughs> let's let's keep the community as clean as possible. Let's not be uh, out of control, mean to anybody in particular of, of any kind of whatever. But but if you have anything to say about AI just in general, where do you think it's going? Let us know in the comments. We'd love to we'd love to see what your your thoughts are on that. And just remember, if AI does take over, anything you say negative in the comments, AI will remember. Yeah. So uh, you get protect yourself. <laughs> I love AI. AI is great. All AI robotics is amazing. All right, let's. Does that on. protect me? All right. All right. Before we move on, here's a great technology that is not AI, but will help you, and it's my reseller genie. And if you're having trouble with bookkeeping, you still haven't done your taxes. You you set up that extension because you're like, I don't know what to do. You know, GoDaddy bookkeeping went away. I can't figure out Quicken Books. My reseller genie is a great solution. And so if you haven't used it yet, I invite you to use our code, PureHustle, all caps. Go to My Reseller Genie in the link below. You'll get that 15% off the first month. And I'm pretty sure you're going to stick with it because it's a great tool. It helps you track how much you spend. It helps you keep all your expenses up to date. And it and it imports all information from eBay. And their new thing now is if you have multiple eBay stores, they have multiple uh, integration of eBay stores and to keep track of everything. So again, check them out. Go to the link below. Use our code Pierce all caps for fifteen percent off the first month of my reseller genie. Yeah. All right. What well, what is your uh your your item for profit bolo, here? Bolo, 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 bolo. What's your bolo? Yeah. All right. So my bolo, my item for profit, as Orlando put it. Um. So this is an interesting one. It can go a lot of different directions, but I think it's cool. Um. Because sometimes we get so in our own niche and I feel like I'm in just mentioning things like here in California, NASCAR is not really huge. So like knowing that I know some NASCAR stuff, like it, it matters for a lot of people around the world or at least in different parts of the United States. Now, here's one that, again, a lot of Americans aren't necessarily into, but at a certain time of the year, I think the the interest peaks. And so that is going to be cycling stuff. So July 1st starts the Tour de France. And I think this year, uh, Tour de France is going to be even easier for people to stream. Uh, they're putting it on NBC. Like you see, you used to have to like have the NBC sports package in order to be able to watch it. Um, it would, they'd put parts of it on TV, but now it's like anybody with the app. So you used to have to pay like 60 bucks a year. Now you can pay like the two ninety nine a month or whatever it is for. So more people are going to be watching it every year. The Tour de France Again, you might be like, oh, I don't watch that. That's dumb. But the reality is so many people do. Like so many people, even if all year long, they don't even think about cycling. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, the Tour de France is on. And I just, I I know I, I every year I kind of get into it. I know lots of people who like, they just grew up watching it on TV when it was on. They grew up listening, talking about, you know, uh, Lance Armstrong and all those things. So like, I think that the the excitement, whenever there's excitement for something like that, then the items associated with that are going to go up. So mm -hmm. maybe like every so often I find like Tour de France, like memorabilia, occasionally that will sell. Uh, but even just cycling stuff in general, because if you're the the kind of person who all of a sudden Tour de France is on, you're like, oh yeah, I should get my bike out. Oh, you know what I need? I need some new uh, clip-in shoes or I need, you know, I should update my bike. I should get a new bike seat or I should get, these are all things where Londra and I have sold. You know, we've sold, yeah. we've sold shoes, we've sold bike seats. We've sold different bike equipment. I've, I've sold quite a bit of cycling stuff and 
if you're not like paying attention to when those, when that time is like really hot, it's a lot of times it's July. It's the tour de France. Like people are going to be buying things around that time. So I just, I think that's a bolo right now. If you have this stuff, maybe up the prices as things get closer to tour de France. And if you don't, maybe when you're at garage sales, thrift stores, take a look at, at cycling stuff. It can be very profitable. And uh, this isn't my bullet, but I want to add to what you're saying. Uh, number one, uh, cycling jerseys are good money. Mm-hmm. Bicycle seats, always look those up, just the seats themselves. Like this last garage sale, I was trying to pick up one that sold for 150 but they wanted 40 And I was like, ah, I don't know how long it's going to sit, so I didn't pick it up, but there's money. But yeah, whenever there's events, right, there's going to be money. And so right now, the second, oh, maybe the third greatest, I don't know, maybe the greatest soccer player of all time. I'm a Maradona fan myself. People that love Pelé love Pelé, but... Uh, Lionel Messi is now playing in the MLS, according to reports, right? And so I think there's going to be a huge surge in like Major League Soccer stuff in the United States. And everybody I know, Major League Soccer, like really, like no one really watches it. I I think now things are going to change with him coming here. Even now, uh, a lot of resellers caught on to this. Uh, they realized he was coming over. They started buying up tickets, which kind of bothers me because I wanted a ticket. And here in San Diego, we just we have an MLS team now at a, our new Snapdragon uh, Stadium. And so uh, I definitely would look at look into, uh, you know, as MLS, you know, I don't even know when the seasons are. I haven't gone is, to a game. What is MLS? A major league soccer. Major league. Major league. So I think of major league baseball, but it's soccer. Gotcha. Okay. But Messi is the most famous person probably next to Ronaldo on the earth. Okay. Huge. I don't know how many Instagram followers this dude has, but uh, let, let's see, let's see just for kick. So you understand because a lot of us in America, we're very American centric and uh, we don't know about the wider world around us. So Lionel Messi on Instagram, if my Instagram will pull up has 469 million followers. Okay. All those American influencers don't even come close to Lionel Messi, right? Not, not even close. I mean, I can, we can, we can throw in anybody in here. Let's throw in the rock. You want to put the rock? No, I don't think the rock has <laughs> Lionel Messi has 469. Dwayne, the rock Johnson. How many do you have? How many follow? Oh, wait, come on. No, why didn't he, it didn't even pull up his account. That's how non-famous he is. Yeah, right. Okay. You're crazy. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. Dwayne, the rock Instagram. Okay. Let's see. Here we go. Okay, so Messi had 469 million. I wonder, people already know. I mean, that's more than the, the, the entire United States. Yes. Sure. Okay, 383 million. So it's up there. It's up there. You're, you're, you're right. I didn't think he would have that much. Oh, shoot, The Rock, are you kidding really? me? Really? Yeah. The guy from WWF to Fast and Furious? Dude, the Rock is, I mean, if he ran for president, he'd probably win. I'm telling you. You people, know what? I'm not going to debate been, that with people you. People have been wanting to vote for that. I think people write in The Rock every year. For yeah, president. I knew. Anyways, all right. So, my this is a wild episode. Like, we've got all over the place here, but we focused on reselling. All right. Game day giveaways, whether it be hockey, whether it be basketball, baseball, whatever it is. Now, initially, there's not going to be value. There's going to be thousands of them available. But over time, you can sell them. So, for example, I went to a garage sale. I spent $80 on a whole bunch of San Diego Padres game giveaways from like the late 90s, early 2000s. And I've made hundred. I think I've made close to over a thousand on all of them. Like some of them were like Tony Gwynn bats. They weren't even signed by Tony Gwynn. They just said Tony Gwynn, and it was from one of the seasons that he played. And Tony Gwynn is very popular in San Diego, or pretty much in all of MLB. 
And I've sold like his bobbleheads that were given away, his bats, shirts, jerseys, you name it for good money. So don't shy away from game giveaways. Uh, and I'm not saying, you know, go to games and like hold them in the garage for like 10 years because they may still be worth nothing in 10 years. But when you're sourcing, definitely take a look at what's out there. All right. What are you looking forward to here, Mike? Um, honestly, I don't have a, a lot just because there's so much going on right now. I feel you like I'm, so busy. I'm overwhelmed emotionally with just, you know, saying goodbye to people and all of that. So, um, I, I guess if I'm going to try and I'm trying to keep it resale related. So I, we mentioned this is the last update episode we're going to be recording side by side. The next time we record an update episode is going to be, um, a test of our remote equipment. Um, I'm mm. still haven't left when, at the time of the recording. I wouldn't, I, I don't. I don't know. Maybe we change things. I'm not sure exactly. We'll have to talk about the the, the timing of all this. Uh, but eventually, our next episode, I think we record. We're our gonna, next update. Maybe it's our next episode. So we're gonna we're gonna um, be testing out the uh, the equipment with me here still in San Diego, but at my place, you here in the studio. Uh, and I, I love technology. I love messing with tinkering with hardware and like, okay, did we get it to work? Do we get? So it's exciting. Um, and then just kind of like starting to get a picture of what the future of Pierce Podcast will look like. That'll be cool. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it's awesome that we're continuing on. Of course, man. You know, it's a uh, PHP for life. For life. I can get a tattoo. Six years. You, you three children have been born in your family since the start of the podcast. Uh two. Two? One was one was just a baby. Just yeah, a baby? Just really? a little little tiny, wow. little tiny so, nugget. So much has changed. Yeah. Okay. Uh I'm looking forward to uh <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it, but I do need to organize for taxes. Luckily, I've been super dependent on my reseller genie to just keep everything for me. But I need to get into the details in there and sort that out. And then I'm I'm looking to you know work new connections. Um, I, door is open for me to have a lot more connections. Uh, actually, this last week I've had like three or four texts about impossible inventory. Nice. And if I can have that going, the only time I'll probably ever source will be garage sales. Yeah. And so I'm looking forward to that. It I think it's gonna help me scale. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to scaling here. And uh, yeah, I, I'm just excited. It's funny because I thought this time, because, you know, things were bad like five, six months ago. No. And I even talked about, I don't know how much longer I can do this. And now I'm like, mm, I could, I could keep doing this, yeah. you know? Yep. So anyways, Hey, hopefully you were able to gain a lot of knowledge or at least be entertained, get some listings done, whatever it may be, uh, during this last hour or so of the podcast and appreciate you tuning in. Make sure to uh, smash that like button and, uh, please leave us an iTunes review if you haven't yet. With that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant and be reselling. Late. Peace. <laughs>